0: Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your trio of hosts, Jason Graves, Rob McIntyre, and Mike Janung. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Here are your hosts, Jason, Rob, and Mike. Are there answers for sexual brokenness? Well,
1: today we're going to answer that question and we're going to do that with a special guest. Welcome to the show. David Kyle Foster of Mastering Life Ministries, recent author of the book Sexual Healing. So guys, we got a special guest today. Uh, Rob, Mike, you ready to rock and roll? Hey. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
2: Blow the chutes, bust the doors, and light the candle. Put
1: your seatbelt on. What do you think about all those things, David? Was that what you were prepared for today?
3: Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's it's a something I lived. uh, I lived uh, sexual brokenness for Mm. 30 years before God uh, finally rescued me, so Mm -hmm. it's it's something that God's put me into ministry about.
1: Amen, amen. So what did that look like? I mean, tell us a little bit about how that started, the genesis of it. I mean, many people can relate with abuse stories, or maybe there was just some experimentation, or what was the start of that for you?
3: Uh, The start is a bit fuzzy, but um, I do know that it at the age of 9 approximately i became suicidal and sexually obsessive wow. which are normally signs of childhood sexual abuse but i don't have any memory of it so mm. but that was basically the year when everything went from basically good to basically horrendous right. and uh, tried to take my life that year when i was 9
1: is that right yeah I get
3: it. so um and i began masturbation at that time without even knowing what it was i thought okay. I, I thought i had cancer wow uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I thought I was killing myself uh, by what I was doing. I, I lived in a family that was, uh, you didn't talk about sex at all. My dad right. was a pastor, oh. very conservative. We didn't read the Sunday paper or play cards on Sunday, mm. kind of a situation. So when you were sh- struggling with uh, sexual brokenness, um, it was an atmosphere where you just couldn't bring it
1: up. Right,
2: right. What was going on that you wanted to commit suicide at such a
4: young age?
3: Um, my dad and I were at odds. Um, I perceived that he did not love me, and I desperately needed my father to love me, so that was consciously what was distressing me a, a great deal. I tried to run away several times, and uh, he was quite severe. Mm-hmm. You know, He used to discipline us with the belt, and, mm-hmm. and he, never child abuse level, but pretty severe for me. I was I was very sensitively strung temperamentally, mm-hmm. and, um, so I perceived his harshness as rejection and hate
1: right and I know you're you know mastering life is a, is a, an exodus affiliated ministry, and you know that uh, form of sexual brokenness is is part of what you're looking to um, help heal so has the same gender issue been a part of your story?
3: yeah um, our ministry actually has always been to all to all sexual brokenness, right. um, homosexual and heterosexual. In fact, mm-hmm. most of how we minister is to heterosexuals. But mm-hmm. um, Bob Davies, who was the president of Exodus one year, uh, suggested that Exodus was you know, broad enough for all kinds of sexual brokenness. Sure. Industry. So we, we signed up, and we've been a part of that network since about
4: 1995.
3: hmm Wow. So, so we help. Um, you know, I developed homosexual confusion on top of my sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, side by side. So uh, we minister in both directions.
2: Awesome. You know, Dave, uh, working with uh, a lot of men with this issue, you know, I find where there's this kind of um, pathology, you know, early on in their age with this kind of, you know, behavior, even attempted suicide. I mean, the chances for someone to come out of this and be whole, you know, statistically is really tough. So, so Tell our listeners, maybe, I guess, how did that work for you? How did that, how did that, um, how did you come out of this and and be able to be whole?
3: Well, that would be in 1979. By then, I had been through college and several more suicide attempts and gone out to Hollywood to be an actor, and I had become a male prostitute and had lived as a prostitute for seven years while acting at the same time with a separate identity. I lived, lived two separate lives. Hmm. Then I, um, after seven years in Hollywood, uh, somewhat successful. I had several starring roles and had the best agents in town. and was, That was clicking very well. But I was finding it empty, and uh, I wasn't getting the love from people that I thought I would if I became well-known and successful. It was kind of a false love that went away when your next, Project didn't do so well. Right. So uh, so I found this guru and um, became persuaded very quickly that he was an incarnation of Jesus Christ. And I gave up everything and moved into an ashram and followed Guru Maharaji for a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, at near the end of that, I was coming to the conclusion that he wasn't God after all because of some inconsistencies in his teaching and behavior. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so I hopped on a plane and flew to Israel to try to find Jesus. Wow. I had always trusted Jesus. It was, it was God the Father I hated. Mm-hmm. And I hated God the Father. I, I had become a male prostitute specifically to show God the Father how much I hated him. Because my father, being a pastor, sort of represented God the Father to me.
2: Right. Now, you actually had that conscious thought while you were yeah. prostituting?
3: Wow. Wow. So, so, I considered myself the last person on earth God would ever save because wow. I had deliberately sinned against Him in the worst ways I could think of. Right. So, I'm a real miracle story. I mean, the parting of the Red Sea is nothing compared <laughs> to uh, my salvation. Wow. Um, but, anyway, so I'm in Israel looking for Jesus. I was, you know, I'd been an actor. I was kind of a Hollywood mindset, and I was kind of expecting Him to come walking to <laughs> me on the Sea of Galilee, you know, or something. So, I'm sitting there waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking the secular tour from UCLA, and he doesn't show up. So I end up in the Mount of Olives the last day, getting myself a free tour behind this Christian tour group. <laughs> and, um, and they were reading the words that Jesus would, had said at various spots on the Mount of Olives. Mm-hmm. And when the pastor read them, I heard Jesus saying them to me simultaneously, as though I was listening into to the original recording, you know, back wow. 2,000 years ago. It was quite extraordinary, and I instantly knew the Bible was literally the Word of God, and nobody had ever suggested that to me prior to that moment. Wow. And so I prayed. There's a rock in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed the night he was arrested, and I prayed at that rock, and I asked God, how could I possibly know who is of God if, if gurus can do miracles and if he does miracles? How is a dumb kid like me supposed to tell the difference? And... He spoke into my heart, and he said, well, who proved his love for you? Mm. And I thought, wow, profound answer. Right. Um, because Jesus had you know, died, I and mean, he right. demonstrated his love to the maximum level he could have, whereas my guru and all the other religious leaders of all time had had not not done that. And plus, he rose from the dead, which is a good sign.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> so I flew back to L.A., finally knowing that Jesus Christ was the only incarnation of God and the only way to God, and went back to the ashram and told everybody they were following the Antichrist. (laughs) This ashram was in Brentwood there in L.A., and um, they kicked me out on the street. Really? (laughs) Because I I was quite convinced, and they didn't want somebody saying their guru was the Antichrist. Mm. Long story short, a month and a half later, after... consulting with uh, one of the pastors at Hollywood Presbyterian Church, I go off to seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School mm-hmm. to learn the Bible so that another guru can't fool me. Right. And this millionaire finds out about it and uh, decides to pay my way for a three-year master's program. Oh, oh my wow. goodness. Mm-hmm. So that was it was quite a dramatic turnaround from from male prostitute to seminary student. Oh, it was yeah, just a culture bit. culture shock yeah. to the max.
2: Yeah, so so I just wanna say for our listeners out there, if you think that you're at the end of your rope, I mean here's a story. Uh David, I, I'll tell you, we kinda of triage clients when they come in and, and you know, hearing about what you've gone through, we'd probably go, Oh man, this is gonna take this is gonna be wow, you know. Yeah. And and it is just a miracle to hear your story. So there's hope. There's mm-hmm. hope no matter where right. you are. If your heart is beating and you you are you are uh you know, working
1: and walking around, God can touch your life today. Absolutely, you bet. If you're just tuning in, we're visiting with David Kyle Foster from Mastering Life Ministries. Uh, if you'd like to reach him directly, you can find his email at masteringlife.org. And of course, we're going to talk about his book a little bit later, "Sexual Healing," in the next program, and and his TV show, "Pure Passion." Mm-hmm. But David, I'm just curious, want to understand a little bit more about the roots of sexual brokenness, and in your ministry. Uh, through your studies, and through your working with folks dealing with all forms of sexual brokenness, and in your own healing process, what have you come to learn about some of the lies that people believe that allow them to either get into or stay in sexual brokenness? Can you talk about the lies that people believe?
3: Well, one of the biggest lies is Hmm. self-hatred. Everybody who's an an addict has self-hatred. And they've They've heard some message or they've been treated in some way that makes them believe that they are no good or that they're defective or that they're unlovable. And um, I can pinpoint the very day that I took that on as my belief. Hmm. Uh, My father was chasing me to discipline me, and I turned around and pushed him down the stairs. Hmm. And he didn't get hurt, but my father was God in the family, and he was a representative of God in the church. And so from that point on, I decided, well, I have just gone, signed my ticket to hell, Mm. and I can never be saved now. Mm -hmm. So with that belief system inside of me, I justified going off in all kinds of rebellion because I figured, well, if
0: I'm going to hell, I
3: might as well have as much pleasure as I can on the way there. Right. Plus, I I simply believed that I was unlovable simply because of the way I was being treated.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It was like it confirmed it. Right. Yeah. And don't we take things from childhood and almost invite the enemy to, in our naivety, your ignorance, come in with that false shame to give us those messages. Yeah, and, not
3: only that, he comes in with a message to start with. I mean when you're right. being whipped by your dad, you're right. Satan's whispering into your ear, you know, he hates you. Right.
2: Yeah. Well that opens up the door to many more lies such as you're the only one struggling with this, nobody will relate. Right. Nobody understand. Well and the and from the, 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 the developmental side, a uh you know, a child in development does not have the cognitive abilities to compare, so they believe that to be truth, whether they're having it consciously, they're feeling it consciously or subconsciously, mm-hmm. you know. Little psychobabble here, but but it you know, I know for me in my my recovery, it took me a long time, David, to really understand those points in my life where I let those lies in. And mm-hmm. then because I didn't didn't confront him or take him captive until, you know, I was an adult. It it had it had its way of destroying me for so many years.
3: But you know, another lie that I began to believe was I've gone so far that there's no way right, I could right. possibly be restored. There's no way I could possibly fix myself. There's, mm-hmm. there's an assumption that we have to fix ourselves before God will accept us. Right. And I remember after getting back from Israel, going to see that pastor at Hollywood Press and saying to him, I said to him, <laughs> I've been sleeping with three or four people a night for 10 years, and you're going to tell me to stop.
4: Mm-hmm. And I'm
3: here to tell you I can't stop. And he looked at me and he said, well, I'm not going to ask you to stop, which really mm-hmm. shocked me because I, that was his job. He was supposed to ask me to stop. He was right. a preacher. But what he was getting at was, let's let Jesus do this for you. Right. It was one of the most important things I could have ever learned starting my healing process because I was – brand-new, born-again Christian. Nobody had gotten to me yet to tell me what God could not do. Mm -hmm. And I simply believed him. I simply believed that Jesus Christ would overcome my demons
4: for me. Right.
3: That if I stopped trying myself and let him do it for me and just followed him as he directed me, then that's how I would get out of this, and that's how
1: it worked. Amen, amen. Mm -hmm. It just seems like, like such a huge burden to dig our way out of this thing. But, you know, exchanging these lies for the truth, we know that, you know, when you think you're unlovable, the Scripture's clear. It says, God so loved the world mm-hmm. that he gave his only Son, and it, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And, you know, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Yeah.
2: So, David, did you walk away from sexual sin, or was it a tough struggle, or what did that look like when you came to that realization that Jesus was going to change you?
3: Well, when I, when I with a childlike faith, in that moment, with that pastor believed that Jesus would do it for me, that ended all of my drug addiction, alcoholism, wow. and sex addiction in terms of acting out instantly. Hmm. Wow. Uh, now, it did not fix me in terms of my vulnerability, in terms of my brokenness, Right. but it, what God did was he took away the power that those things had to uh, coerce me and move me to act against my will, which at that point... I, was, I had been running through the Hollywood Hills unclothed like the demoniac in the Bible hmm. before I got saved. That's how wild and out of control I was. Wow. So I had a lot of demonic strongholds in me and a lot of things controlling me. And the Lord set me free from those as quickly as I would believe and trust for him to do so.
2: So there's a true replacement at the core of who you were. And, and I mean, only Jesus can do that. You know, the, I love the scripture where it says that the the word of God is like a two-edged sword piercing through everything right to the deepest parts of our heart. And what you experienced, you know, the picture I had was here, you were this little child once again, and you were able to offer up a lot of these things that you had embraced as a young boy and finally embraced Jesus.
3: Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, um, But then the next day, you know, all the temptations came rushing back, and and then I had to go to God and find out how to deal with that. Mm, Right. right.
2: Well, tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, our listeners are probably on the edge of their seat going, how did you do that? Because we're all like that, you know?
3: Well, I would kneel at my bed every night, and I'd say, God, I'm being tempted to do this. What do I do? Or I hate you for this. Or I don't understand this in your word. Tell me. And I would just tell him. Quite bluntly, what was on my heart, what I was feeling, what I was thinking in a conversational way. And uh, he would uh, show me answers. I mean, he actually had the pastor of Hollywood Presbyterian Church preach a sermon that answered my key question for the hmm. next four weeks. I mean, it was just phenomenal what God, the lengths God went to to speak back to me and inform me. One of the earliest things he said, I remember this. Uh, I said, Lord, I can't drive down Hollywood Boulevard without stopping in that porn store. Mm. And he said back to me immediately in my heart, he said, don't drive down Hollywood Boulevard.
4: Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
3: So I mean, he's, he'll he'll help you at the most rudimentary level right. to begin with. Right. And then as time goes on, as you keep listening to him, he'll start unveiling the secrets of your heart and why you've been doing the things you've been doing and, and what he wants to do to replace those needs.
1: So how do you facilitate that same healing and spiritual awakening in those who you minister to through, through mastering life? I mean, what is, how does that look mm. on maybe like a structural level or a format level or a, a ministerial level?
3: Well, it's very difficult in the West,
1: much
4: mm.
3: easier in the East. Mm-hmm. In the West, we, we are stuck in our heads. We,
4: right. Right? Mm. we mm. live
3: out of our heads, and we think we have believed something mm. when we intellectually agree with it. Mm. But the Bible calls belief, Uh, Something that you intellectually agree with to the point where you actually change your life accordingly. Mm -hmm. But We in the West think we've believed in something without changing our life accordingly. Right. So the first goal I try to help with people is to help them to see that to believe Jesus is a childlike act of just Mm -hmm. believing what he says without trying to figure out how it could possibly work or happen. Right. Getting people in the West to that position is very, very difficult these days. yeah, well you know that
2: I have to agree with you wholeheartedly, David, that that's personally the journey I had to go through for me to have complete healing was to go back to that child place in me, and that was a part of the the healing that God wanted to do to you know set me free from my own addiction
3: yeah and then the uh, a second thing that i I often have to deal with is um, the desire. See, basically, we don't have the will to be changed. We don't have the desire to be changed. We don't have the proper motivation to change, and we don't have the power to change. So we're in a bad spot. But God wants to give us all four of those. He wants to, to He wants to change our desires. He wants to write his law on our hearts. And the way he does that is through grace. By and You find that in Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. It says, it's the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and... The grace of God, it teaches us to live upright and godly lives in this present age. Right. And it makes us eager to do what is good. Well, how does being forgiven for your sin make you want to not sin? Well, it it breaks it, it works at the heart level. It God just keeps forgiving you over and over and over again. And finally, you say to yourself, I can't keep rebelling against a God who just keeps loving me like this. Right. I surrender. Yeah. And uh, and that's how grace transforms the rebellion that's in our hearts right? and changes us from obeying him because we're supposed to right. to obeying him because we want to.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I was talking with a guy at church yesterday or the day before, and he said, you know, it's easy to get our kids to obey. I'm bigger than them. But what it is, uh, you know, to, to get them to follow the rules. But what the trick is about is getting them to not just follow the rules, but to love the rules. Mm-hmm. And And, that's amazing.
3: And he does that by breaking our hearts through his unconditional love. Right. So that makes getting into his presence, developing an intimate relationship with God, the most critical thing of all. hmm. Because it's in that place, in that intimate place with him where you... Experience that love that transforms
1: your heart. His yeah. kindness
2: leads us to repentance.
1: I think Calvin had it right when he said his grace is irresistible, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Now, um, we want, want to just wrap up in just a few minutes here, but um, when you are doing ministry with somebody and they're, they're maybe connecting with you right now, uh, what is uh, the way that, that you would see yourself working with them? How can people get in touch with Mastering Life, and what can you provide in the way of, of services or information, or what, is, uh, what do you have available for them?
3: Well, we are a teaching ministry. Mm-hmm. We, we exist to equip the body of Christ how mm. to help their sexually broken friends as well as help the sexually broken people themselves. Okay. And the teaching resources we create cover both sides of that coin. Okay. So when I wrote my book, Sexual Healing, I wrote it to cover that general base. So I have a chapter on homosexuality. I have a chapter on child abuse, okay. one on sex addiction, one on pornography, one on masturbation. So you can deal with each of those issues individually and hopefully see that the causes for brokenness in those areas are quite common between them, Great. as well as the healing path.
1: Okay. Um,
3: so you don't have to be an expert in homosexuality to help a homosexual. You right. just have to be a human being who struggles with your own brokenness.
1: Amen. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. It's been a blessing. And listen, mm-hmm. folks, if you want to tune in next week when we we'll be meeting again with David to talk about... His new book, Sexual Healing, and his upcoming TV show, Pure Passion. That's exciting. Wow. And, of course, you know, we are listener-supported, and uh, if you want to help us keep on uh, the air in Los Angeles and Colorado Springs and on the Internet, uh, Rob kind of wants to share his heart about that. And-
2: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, do you folks know that more than half the men in church are struggling with porn addiction today? And the stats are similar for pastors. And I know from my own journey that I've struggled uh, for years. And when I found freedom from this addiction over six years ago, it has touched my life. It has changed me. I have been able to see that my life really matters. And mm-hmm. so if I would re- just really like to encourage anybody listening to this radio show, if this has touched you, if you have uh, someone in your life that you, this could touch, please prayerfully consider donating. Um, and it is a tax right off as well, and also we would covet your prayers. Amen. So that would be an awesome uh, gift to the Lord for us to see that happen.
1: Amen, and if you want to do that, you can uh, listen to the end of this show for information on how to contact Blazing Grace, and it keeps on the air. Um, we want to, of course, remind you that uh, we've got uh, David on next week, and uh, so tune in again. If you want to reach him, you can go to masteringlife.org and uh, get more information about um, his books, his uh, other ministries he's uh, affiliated with,
0: and his teaching programs. So, Thanks for tuning in to Blazing Grace. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace. Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at W. BlazingGrace.org. That's triple W B L A Z I N G G R A C E dot o r g forward slash radio dot h t m. On that page, you'll find a downloadable copy of this show, or you can visit OnePlace.com under Ministries. Look for Blazing Grace Radio. If you want help resolving a sexual addiction, you can reach Rob McIntyre and Jason Graves toll free by dialing eight seven seven five nine zero Soul. That's eight seven 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 five nine zero seventy six eighty five. Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more Blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine His grace upon you.
2: It's time to be free to live for God Free to run! <laughs>